Do you not even know this one? Uh, I don't even think I know that. I know it came out. I just haven't really looked at it. Oh, yes. No, I did it, see that. The Shento Ackerman's. John Gielman. Uh, but there was a... Oh, fucking... I don't know how I'm going to be able to look it up. But um, Paul Schrader had a wonderful line about it. And if I got to try to pull it up... Um, Was it on Facebook? I think I may have read it. Go ahead. (laughs) I think it might have been Facebook. For 70 years, the sight and sound poll has been reliable, if somewhat incremental measure of critical consensus and priorities. Film moved up the list, others moved down, but it took time. The sudden appearance of Jean Dielman in the number one slot undermines the SNS poll's credibility. It feels off as if someone had put their thumb on the scale, which I suspect they did. Interesting. He goes on and is like, I, you know, I even like the film. I've seen it many times. It like relates it to a, a wokeism, I believe is, <laughs> oh, is no. how he, he used it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's not that I don't disagree with him. It's again, the way that he does it. It is just a surprising appearance on the list. I have watched about 40 minutes of it now and it's a interesting uh, take of a movie um beating vertigo though and citizen kane yeah i mean hey i'm pretty it's pretty cool that vertigo's number two honestly i feel like it wasn't that high up previously it was that's no it up, was right? one it was time. one oh, okay well, it was number one i mean i i love love vertigo but i'd have to like really think about if it'd be if i I'm cool with that number. I mean, actually, I am. I Vertigo's think so. amazing. Vertigo's a fucking incredible. I think so. I think yeah. it's such an interesting take of obsession mm-hmm. and how, you know, Jimmy Stewart, through all of his career, was, like, the guy. Like, he's always the good guy. He's in the right. I don't remember if he's the man that shot Liberty Valance or if he's Liberty Valance, but, you know, he's always been, like, the white hat, Harvey, yeah. man who knew too much. And then to put him in such a creep role oh, i yeah. thought was brilliant and then to still and make him not... the protagonist you know what i mean right like, well there's to, yeah there's no real good person in that movie except right. for um meg or whatever her name is the girl that loves him but he rejects her she's Let me like tell the you, only my, good person the thing i love about that movie the most um and i see it and i i don't know if it's like an influence from hitchcock in this movie specifically or whatever but there's just a theme in it like uh you know you 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 hear about like hitchcock being very like demanding of his actors particularly the female actors and in particular he loves blondes right like there's a whole thing about hitchcock blondes and this is a movie about constructing the ideal hitchcock woman you know yeah um yeah but there's a scene very early on when jimmy stewart is talking to his secretary and uh she's talking about a new brazier design that came out I don't know if you remember this scene at all. Oh no, yeah, I do. It's but it's not his secretary. It's just his it's, college. Yeah, it's his girlfriend right. friend. Right. That's maybe sexist to me to say secretary, but I was mm-hmm. also operating under you know nine, uh, nineteen fifty eight logic. Um, <laughs> uh, so anyway, she's talking to him about this new brazier design that came out, and he's like looking at it and like you know kind of asking her about it, and she's like, "Yeah, it was designed by this man that works at an air force base, like." a little bit north of here and he's just like oh interesting and my first watch that just went right by me i was like whatever the second one i'm like oh it's another case of a man 
dictating how women should appear, right? And how they should yeah. look. Like, it's just this theme of, like, we're talking about men building their ideal women here and, like, forcing them into these specific roles. Um, and I see that in so many movies. Like, that is such a common theme throughout, like, storytelling and, like, you know, just these kind of uh, stories of men forcing... I don't know. I, just, I find it so poignant that that theme you know and i think vertigo is like an excellent fucking way to just really uh capture all that anyway look at the rest with of the some list. amazing technical yes. aspects of it oh yeah which yeah. i would relate to this movie as well i i don't know if i think this movie is <laughs> fantastical but i love a lot of the technical aspects that this movie gets you, right you could call it the vertigo of the 80s <laughs> um hey but just look at the rest of the list. Very happy to see David Lynch represented at the top 10 with Mulholland Drive. Yeah. Um, it makes sense that, you know, Space Odyssey is the Kubrick one they would pick for that. I just watched um, Clockwork Orange for the first time this past week. Uh, the first time? Wow. Yeah, I'd never seen it. Yeah, a friend let me borrow wow. his, his, uh, his 4K. And it looked fantastic. As I was watching it, I was like, yep, this is certainly all happening. Like, I don't know if I'm really absorbing all this. And then um, <laughs> I was with my sister later and I was talking with her. She was visiting for Thanksgiving. And like, um, you know, we had we had uh, some some uh, some mind altering substances. And then suddenly I was just kind of thinking about Clockwork Orange. And I was like, man, that's a really fucked up, disturbing movie, isn't it? And it really kind of settled in like the full brevity of like what was going on in that movie. And I was like, yeah, that's fucked. I can see why people thought it was so controversial or, or you know, why it was so banned like, in yeah, England, why it is. All right, that yeah. kind of stuff. I, I really love it. I mean, I've seen it quite a few times since high school. I've read the mm-hmm. book way back in the day. It, yeah, uh, I want to read the book you know, now. It's uh, some, some wonderful performances. And then just, you know, again, Kubrick was such a great technical storyteller. Yeah fantastic i love the um uh the the part where he picks up the two girls at the record store and then takes <laughs> them back and it's yeah. like flat fast forward through them having Which, sex when i was like reading and then they about get how dressed that was done, and then he undresses them again it was like a it was like a, almost like a 30 plus minute single take and oh like mcdowell was just doing stuff even though kubrick was telling him to like telling him to cut He's just like, hey, hey, we're cutting, we're cutting, we're cutting. And McDowell is just going on. <laughs> like, the way he, like, when he, like, undresses her oh. again, that was, like, McDowell just kind of improvising. Yeah. Like, it's it's fucking bizarre. Yeah, reading about the production of it, too, I gained, I gained a whole level of, like, it made it more upsetting reading about the filming of it. Because, like, mm-hmm. you read about like, the actresses were kind of, like, really uncomfortable with some of the stuff going on. You know, and Kubrick was being his usual, like, really, really fucking icy self and, like, demand feel like shit yeah right right and it's like you know this one scene of a person opening a door took 79 takes and you're like oh my god <laughs> i you know and that's that's part of um you know we got a little bit into it, our tar discussion of like the the eccentric artist genius yeah. and you know they we we give them so much leeway because they have produced great works before, yeah. and maybe we don't necessarily need to give them as much leeway as they they will take as much as you give them. Yeah, I right? gotta maybe see. that's I, the problem. I want to watch Tar again. I keep listening to film podcasts talking about their best of the year, and Tar is always on there. So I'm like, I gotta just give it another shot. Like it could have just been I was so tired, I was not. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, we'll see. True, true, but. 
we're going to talk about, as you put it, the vertigo of the 80s. <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not going to disagree because uh, we are here on The Weekly Podcast Massacre. I'm your host for this episode. My name is Michael from snowy Portland, uh, but everyone calls me Murphy. I have a wonderful co-host with me today. Wow, snowy Portland. Uh, I'm Greg from rainy Los Angeles, actually. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Well, yeah, it's just yeah. flurries right now, but, you know, it's coming down. Yeah, it's it's drizzling here. We haven't had like a steady rainfall or anything, but it's been it's been it's been moist these past couple of days and really activating mm. my uh, my allergies. And so I kind of feel like shit. But, you know, <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, I have that all the time as well. Sinus problems. The yeah, worst. dude. Oh, my God. Last night I was trying to play. I was playing God of War Ragnarok and like. I'm really dedicated because uh, I, I took my hours was so bad. I took Friday off of work. Um, and so I was like, I'm just going to use this time and try to beat Ragnarok this weekend. Did not do it because there's so much shit to do in the game. Yeah, but, I feel like I'm getting close, but I don't know how much how much yeah. more I have to go. Exactly. But like last last night, my sinus problems were so bad. Like I could not breathe out of my left nostril. And I was like, I really need to go to bed. But. This game's version of the Valkyries are the Berserkers, I guess. I don't know if you've encountered them. I I have uh, tried one of them, and then I was just like, fuck it. I'm not high enough level. I'm just <laughs> come back at some point. I dedicated so much time last night to beating one of them, and it was so satisfying. Um, for my money, it's in a, it's like a even more fun version of the Valkyrie fights. But like, I could not breathe out of my nostril. My eye was like watering and stinging because my allergies. I'm just like, but I have to push through and beat this. Um <laughs> But yeah, we're talking, have we talked about what we're, what we're talking about? <laughs> yeah, sorry. I have I not, uh, because we are in the middle of home invasion for the holidays. And so we're going to talk about, as Greg put it so succinct, the vertigo of the <laughs> 80s, Slumber Party Massacre 2 from 1987. Now, I also watched the original Slumber Party Massacre. Did you mm, happen nice. to rewatch it as well? No, I, I wanted to because... Um... I, I've only seen it is a continuation once. It is, yeah. The same. It's the As same. I will say one of the the main character of this one is the younger sister of the first one, right? Correct. Yeah. Uh, who's gr- that character is so good in the first one, and it's a completely uh, she different. She is very it's a fun. Completely different person in, in two. Yeah. Down to yeah. the last name. I mean, like so many things are right. The last name of the family is different too. They change the names. I don't remember if they even give them a last name in the first movie but it it is the thing the first movie does so many things so correctly yeah this movie does not hit those highs but i think it has a differing take on it that i like even so much more whoa um just just kind of covering the first one real quick it is about a group of girls who are going to have a slumber party there are boys who are going to, like, come, you know, peek through the windows, try to scare them. And then there is a serial killer that is on the loose from a mental institution. And he has a giant drill that he kills people with. Yeah. It's it's a pretty fun movie. Um, it is. It, it, has, it has more nudity. Like... Within two minutes, you see tits in the first one. Right. And it takes a while to get it in the second one. Well, and I was reading the trivia. I was reading the trivia that one of the actresses for this movie refused to do nudity because she had done it in the past three movies she had been in. So there was supposed to be more. (laughs) It's. It might have been the one that was actually a Playboy model as well. Yes, that was her. Which I was kind of like, why aren't you the one? (laughs) 
Uh, but within, I watched the first one. You see nudity in the first two minutes. Within like the first ten, you see girls playing basketball with no bras on. Yeah. Um, then a shower scene but then it has a maybe one of my favorite lines from both movies they're trying to ask trish why don't you like valerie and her line is she drinks too much milk <laughs> i just i love it so much no that first one is it's really good that first one's really funny i think it has a better sense of humor than this one this one is trying some things comedically that are so fucking weird uh i mean the entirety yes. of the killer and two is such a crazy comedic swing that i love it i on this watch it did not pay off for me like mm. there's parts where i'm like yeah he's fun and then there are parts where i'm like i am so fucking sick of this guy <laughs> um when he quotes like when he's quotes like the sixth you know classic rock song by the end i can't I just... get no satisfaction oh man oh jesus all right uh but yeah that first one's fun and like the cool thing about these two movies is that i think i believe it's both of them were written and directed by women um, yes, which was pretty unique for the slasher genre in the in the early to late eighties, and that first one, the 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 fact that there is so much nudity in that first one, and there's a shot I remember, you cannot forget it. They're in their locker room, and it like pans down a girl's back to her butt or something. Yeah, and it's it's so blatantly just exploitation. But mm-hmm. the fact that it's a woman doing it, you're like, is there a commentary here? And there possibly is. The way the posters, both of them, like, yes. depict the drill as, like, this phallus symbol invading these women's lives. You're like, yeah, there's something. This one is really leaning into, like, the sexual politics of slashers. Um, both of them are, really. And so they're really fascinating in that way. I think that they they come off as, like, if you don't know, like, the, the women behind these things, you're like, you're like, these are, like, some of the most cheap, exploitative trash. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Uh, so this was written and directed by Deborah Brock. Uh, let's run through some of the cast real quick, get it out of the way. You have Crystal Bernard as Courtney Bates. She was from Wings, that's why I know her. But, uh, you know, another horror trope, we have Bates as the yes, name. Yes, of course. Uh, Kimberly MacArthur as Amy. I believe she is the Playboy one who did not get nude. Uh, you have Heidi Kozak as Sally Burns. You have Juliet Cummins as Sheila, Sheila Barrington. Yeah. There is Patrick Lowe as Matt Arbacost. And I think this might have trying to be another psycho reference that the private investigator's name is Arbagast. Oh, yeah, and yeah. Maybe they just forgot what it actually <laughs> was. I don't know. Maybe. It was so weird. You have Joel Hoffman as TJ, Scott Westmoreland as Jeff, and then the leading role, Atanas Illich as the Driller Killer. I love it. Um, do you want to mention the cop names at this point? Do you know what those, oh, those two? The, yes, I, I did see those later on. We have a yeah. Officer Kruger and an Officer Voorhees. <laughs> Although Officer Voorhees is never named. I guess he's just that in the credits. Uh, but like... You can see it on oh, okay. the, the little name tag. I noticed gotcha, it the second time. Because gotcha. I, I did see in the uh, Wikipedia that it was Officer Voorhees. Yeah. So. Um, my MVP of the movie, I'm going to throw it down now, is Scott Westmoreland as, er, not sorry, as Joel Hoffman as TJ. As TJ. I, I, yeah, he's great. What a fucking he's character. He's so good yeah. in this role. <laughs> um, what a look on him, too. Just, like, the perfect douchebag look. He has, yeah, he has, like, a great voice for for his look. Dude, his laugh. Um, his laugh is the best thing. That fucking, like, yeah. that, that, like, meathead laugh he's got is perfect. Almost hyena 
Yes. Uh, yeah. My my for my money, the the best part for him is when he jumps into the pool. There's a <laughs> uh, uh, blow up party doll. <laughs> yes. And then he like brings it out of the pool, and he's talking he's like, "But they liked it last night, huh?" And he's like punching the face <laughs> of the blow up doll. The, he's just having fun. Like the actor is just going off doing whatever he wants. Yeah. You know. Uh, he is so great, but I want to get into the reason that I love this movie is the dream sequences. Yeah, they're great. I think this has some amazing dream sequences and some amazing editing going on in these dream sequences. And it's the first thing that we get is a dream sequence that is a, a merging of like um, psychic... Uh, uh, premonitions Prem- yeah it's premonitions but it's also coupled with flashbacks of the original movie right they like, should have used clips in the first one yeah exactly and it's it's again just a great editing i really like it uh so this is where we meet courtney bates who was the younger sister of valerie uh one of the, the character that drank too much milk in the original movie <laughs> And in the end of the original movie is those two uh, are the ones that actually kill the driller killer who in the original one has has some motivation, I guess. It's just that he's a crazy guy who is in love with the women. We get zero. There is zero motive for the driller killer in this movie. I mean, he's not really a person, right? Like that's that's kind of the thing. He's a manifestation of a dream aspect yeah yeah he, he doesn't have like a corporeal body in for like 90 percent of the movie he seems to be invading keyword he seems to be invading her dreams <laughs> before he invades the condo i just want to because say we I, are in a home invasion month i theme. don't want to fight you on this being a home invasion movie but it is a little bit. I, it's much more of a of like a slasher before I'd say super, you know, home invasion. And I think there's a distinction between them. I'm gonna allow it because they're in a home and he's invading, you know. Um, so I'll, I'll 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 give it to you. But like, I do think this is a little bit outside of the genre. You know what I mean? It is tangentially related. I yeah, I understand, yeah. but it is, <laughs> you know, for. Four high school girls go to, uh, that's the plan. They're going to go to Sheila's dad's new condo, and they're going to practice for their band, mm-hmm. and some boys are going to come along. They're going to have a great weekend. That's that's what's going to happen. Yeah. Unless things go wrong. I, I think what sets it apart, though, for me is, like, um, with, like, The Strangers, and even then watching it and being let down by it, it still has this element a little bit, but... Do you have for me home invasion part of what makes it a, like stand out as a genre is there's always the element of like you're in a place that you believe is safe you know what I mean that like you're in this this kind of like uh area that you constructed to be for you to be safe and now it's being invaded by somebody so I can I can see I think that still does apply here in a way it's just not as much as like the strangers where you're in you're in a place that you you believe is fortified and there's a, always a question of like how are they going to get in, right? right? How can I keep something out? This you, one's a little different because it's a dream, and you could just one, yeah, the, the first, first one's way one more maybe of that, yeah, more mm-hmm. of a home invasion movie. But for, again, for my money, I like the second one 
maybe a, a little bit more. It may not be as good of a movie, but I think it has a personality. Yeah, that it is does. very fun. I uh, I first watched this. Uh, it was the first ever Joe Bob Briggs last drive-in that I watched. Okay, um, was this movie, and I I really enjoyed it then. I will say since then I had not seen the first one by the time but by you know at that point I have seen the first one since then I watched it last year uh, around October for Halloween and loved the first one thought it was great and rewatching this one now I get why when I was like looking up reactions to that Joe Bob episode I saw everybody shitting all over it and saying it's an affront to the first movie because <laughs> it is such a drastic change. Even though that first one is still like yes. trashy and cheesy too. This one is a completely different movie. It's supernatural. The killer has musical numbers. Um, Great. Even, even the, even the returning character of Courtney is nothing alike. You know, there are many musical numbers yeah. throughout this whole movie, but driller killer does get a whole like stop down. Oh Yeah. <laughs> He he looks directly into the camera <laughs> a lot and says a like lot. this is this is the first the, the fun part and then begins yeah that is true there is he does look into it a lot there is also another odd thing about we constantly get Courtney's POV yeah um for certain things like there is a scene we'll we'll get into it in in a few minutes so uh they're gonna go to school. And on their way to school, they listen to the radio to a banger of a song, Tokyo Convertible. I, I want and to be... Well, okay, what do, you, what do you think it means? <laughs> I want to be your Tokyo Convertible. <laughs> do we have any kind of guess? Topless I love Japanese it. lady? Yeah, oh, I don't know. Maybe. It, Ooh, maybe. Uh, um, I like the, the line, going through the motions. Yes. I like going through the motions. So there, there's two songs on this, because that Joe Bob Briggs episode released three years ago, maybe? Um, I'm trying to think. It was 2020, so two years ago, I think, actually. Uh, and since I watched it, two songs that I cannot get out of my head. One of them is Tokyo Convertible. Uh, and then I'll, I'll mention the other one when it comes up. But uh, yeah, this is a this is a fantastic song. And there's truly just the movie just stops for like two minutes when um, oh, it's it Amy, right? That picks her up. Amy yeah, picks her up does. and then they're just like singing along to the song for a little bit. That's it. Yeah, it, it does it so many times of like, all right, yeah, we're just going to pause everything so we can have these girls play music. Yes. Um, <laughs> This is when uh, Matt gets introduced. He's a cute boy that Courtney's into. He pulls up to the side, and they invite him to the band practice. Yeah. And so the next thing we see is the band practicing. They're not bad, but it, it is no Tokyo convertible. Oh, this, but, okay, well, I'm going to get there right away, but this is the other song that will not leave my head. If only I was seeing by the band Wednesday a Week, I think is the name of the band. Um, Wednesday Week? I don't remember. Anyway. Uh, this song, I think that song is so fucking catchy. The melody to this is so great. There's also another one later on when they're practicing at the condo that I think is really good. (laughs) That one's fun. Um, that one's good too. I like that one. And then, uh, the, well, I'll mention it when we get there, but, uh, yeah, this song though, if only, I think this is a, this is a great song. This one, the lyrics weirdly don't fit the melody. Which I think it's why it's not as good as Tokyo Convertible, but I still think it's so catchy. And these are two songs I would I'll catch myself just humming Tokyo Convertible and if only just 
in, in my daily life. Yeah, no doubt. I, they're so yeah. good. Yeah. Uh, so Matt comes, we get like a tender moment between them. And then this is when we get the weird POV camera is we, we see Matt is looking at the camera straight on, but then when they cut to the other like reaction or something, it's behind his shoulder. It is just such an yeah. odd thing. Like we constantly are getting like a POV from Courtney trying to put us in her shoes, but it's, it's so oddly done. Yeah. It, it's, it's strange. I will say, yeah, the, I don't know. I mean, all respect to Deborah Brock, there is some weird direction in this um, that doesn't totally fit. It's also, we should say, an hour and 15 minutes. Like, it yeah. is barely a feature film, which, um, and, and the pacing to me is still kind of weird. Video, yeah, basically. which leads it to weirdly feeling longer than it should. I don't know, yeah. to me. It feels longer than an hour and 15. <laughs> but I will say, too, like, uh, the big thing I took away from watching it with uh, Joe Bob Briggs's commentary is he he really discussed the themes of like repressed lesbianism in this movie, and uh, watching it again, like you can really see it. Every interaction she has with Matt, she clearly is into him on some level, but she's always a bit more apprehensive than you'd expect because he is coming onto her so strong. And she's always kind of has her <laughs> doubts and is nervous about it. And you could chalk it up to like, well, you know, we established she's a virgin. And so maybe she's just worried about like. She even says like they had lunch a few times and then yeah. just, you know, nothing happened. But it's like her friends are the one that are really pushing Matt on it on her. Because like uh, Amy says in the car, like, oh, that's Matt. That's the one you like. Right. And then, yeah, that's her reaction. It's like, well, we've had lunch a couple of times. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like, oh, he's my dream boat, whatever. Although she literally is dreaming about him shirtless playing football in the beginning. So, yes. uh, but there's but a point it's, where she's but it's right on after the couch she, just staring at a photograph of yeah. him. Yeah. But it is right after she has that dream in the beginning of him playing football that, that she then flashes back to the original. And, like, yeah. I, we didn't even talk about the title card for this is so good. But she's like, it's very gauzy. This movie's so gauzy. Um, right. But she's like, in her nighty dreaming about all this stuff it's very like soft like kind of cheesecakey music and then she has those flashbacks she screams and the title flies out of her mouth and it's yeah. just like obnoxious like neon purple like it's really striking i really love that opening actually and the first time i watched this i was watching uh i was watching it pretty stoned and like that just like imprinted itself on on my brain like the title card flying out of her mouth. I was like, well, that's kind of startling, actually. Late 80s, man. Yeah. <laughs> they'll, they'll do whatever they can. Um, uh, so the they kiss Matt and Courtney. And, you know, she invites him to the condo. That's where they're going to go for the weekend. She still hasn't, you know, passed it by her mother. So she's trying to then do that. She's trying to... Her mom's like, well, we're going to go see Valerie, her sister, who's in a mental institution. <laughs> Yeah, we've been seeing flashes and, of her a little bit. Yeah, uh, we find out that it's Courtney's birthday as well. And she plays the forgotten birthday card, which you can you can do rarely, but you yes. have to, you know, really use it. Uh, and the mom's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I, you know, I, I forgot. We'll stay here. And then Courtney's like, no, but all my friends are going. I want to go. And there's a great uh, live. Like, you know, um, Sheila's parents are going to be there. You know, they're great. But they're very strict. Yes, <laughs> I like that. I will say, I really do think this is the best scene for me in terms of the performances. 
like the way that scene starts with like there's yeah. an awkward there's a really awkward uncomfortable vibe between Courtney and her mom which like rings true to me for a family that's had this like tragedy or this like you know trauma that happened to the daughters and the way they kind of speak around Valerie in the mental asylum uh and then yeah. Courtney's like the way she cries and she's like I don't want to like go to a mental go to asylum a mental for my birthday on my birthday yeah I think that's it's... a devastating line like, it's really good right it's actually interesting it, the mom seems more broken yes. than Courtney who like directly had these well i guess courtney like does have a lot of insomnia due to these bad dreams uh we even get like that night she falls asleep dreams scares her she wakes up and then we just do the same thing again where she like puts on headphones reads a magazine and then okay we know we're in a dream of her that's my favorite thing though she puts headphones on were you able to hear the song she's listening to um I feel like I was, and I cannot it, remember it, it right it's now. It's If Only. It's a song they were just playing at practice. Oh, that's right. That's right. <laughs> so it's yeah. like, this is like me falling asleep listening to their own podcast. <laughs> like, and it's like, oh, I need to relax. Just going to put this on and drift <laughs> off. Put on our, our Slither episode and, and you know, <laughs> carry away uh, to which, Dreamland. And again, it's another kind of great dream sequence. We get the uh, premonition pov fish wind fish eye winds of her in the car on the way to the condo mm-hmm. and then again just lots of cuts you know to the drillo killer like walking she's underneath the bed yeah and you know you see his which boots with silver that's tips. a it's a reference to the first one right in the first one and she hide under a bed when the killer's walking around or my i think so but then it is the new actress doing it yes i don't believe she ever does that in this movie but she does yeah it right. is it is um a throwback to the old one but yeah this we see him for the first time and he says a rock and roll never dies and he like hisses like yeah great uh, great uh i think we also see some of valerie and then yeah. he's like dancing in her <laughs> uh you know room oh so that's the thing yeah like she's like under the bed and then you see his boots come up and he just starts like pivoting in place like dancing it's, it's so great. i love it that's I one of the funniest so parts because you haven't seen his face yet so he just like starts grooving out of nowhere um <laughs> this is also where we first see one of the most upsetting things in this movie which is the blood in the bathtub you see like, the blood like bubbling up which is really fucking disgusting to me and that got under my skin for some reason that was a good part um i believe this is also where we they're on the road trip and we get introduced to the hot wet and wild book yes which is just another like little little kernel of this movie that i just a good touch yeah yeah (laughs) uh we get another dream sequence it's like the fourth dream sequence within 20 minutes yeah about (laughs) i will say too i should have looked up where this because they're on the way to palm springs and i think this is a shot it seemed to me like it was a genuinely Palm Springs, I believe. Um, but I really loved the, the the photography when they're on that road trip. Just like these great California roads and mountains and shit. I think it looks fantastic. Um, the visuals in this are a little spotty. Like, I, I will say there's like parts during that, uh, during the Yifoli band practice where it's like, it straight up looks out of focus. <laughs> like sometimes on on a little um, bit, yeah, on Sheila as she's singing, and I'm like, I think this is way this is way blurrier than it should be right now. 
I I think they were maybe trying to do that because she wasn't the best at lip syncing, even though she yes, was the singer of, yeah. of the band. <laughs> um, so we we finally get to Sheila's father's condo. It's in a new development, so there's lots of construction going around. It looks like almost nobody else lives there. Like no, all the houses are still being built. Right. There's a few uh, people. We do find but... out it's it's populated exclusively by assholes. This neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that's when they find the blow-up doll, and we find out that Sheila's brother had been here the previous week. Uh, that they also have booze closets, which mm-hmm. is just a you know a nice rich person touch. They have dinner of uh, champagne, corn dogs, easy cheese, kettle chips, PB and Js, and then some cookies like Oreos. But then there were like you nailed it, cookies. I I there. only I only noted down the corn dogs, cheese whiz, and champagne. Yeah, that's all I got. But I'm glad you got the full the full uh, spread there. <laughs> it seems like a pretty good dinner, honestly. <laughs> yeah, I, love, I wouldn't turn uh, that down. <laughs> Sally's like, you know, champagne goes great with these corn dogs. Yes. <laughs> uh, but so this is where they uh, start doing uh, dancing. There's a song playing. She was like, turn it up. And then there is they're watching a... Rock and Roll High School, which apparently Deborah Brock went on to direct. Um, Rock oh. and Roll High School never dies. Okay, so it's just her calling her shot, you know. But yeah, actually, I really like the song that they're dancing to. The scene is fucking ridiculous. It's very where... fun. There's um, a Breakfast Club ish vibe to it, mm-hmm. where we get like a static camera, and then we see each of them dancing. It jump cuts between we... them. Yeah, right. But then we also see a shot of them all doing the same thing. <laughs> Like arm wise, uh, I love this. Sheila, Sheila goes to get some champagne, and then this is where we also meet the boys, TJ and Jeff. They decided to come early. The girls are gonna love it. They knock and they bang on the door, ring the doorbell. No one answers, so they go around to the window and they see Sheila has gotten a bottle of champagne and is just you know soaking everyone in it. And then, well, all of a sudden she's wet. Yeah. So then well. she has to take her shirt and bra off. Mm-hmm. and start whipping people with it and then the most insane uh, part of this is that courtney courtney, courtney t- destroys a pillow yeah and starts throwing feather if that if you were valerie's not valerie uh sheila's father and you come to this apartment and it or this condo and it's like <laughs> you fucking to- destroyed one of my throw pillows like what the fuck is wrong with you well, it's like uh, there's champagne all over like, the carpet. Like, what the hell happened? <laughs> yeah, are you a fucking um, dog, though? Like, tearing up I, furniture? Like, Jesus. I do like how she's throwing yeah. the, the feathers. Like, it's a very, it's a it's a nice effect, the way that she's trying to do it. And then she just empties all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all over the food. I would be so pissed, though. If I was Sheila, and it's like, dude, like, my fucking dad is coming back tomorrow. Like... And you're uh, destroying his furniture. This is insane. Well, uh, it's the, like the food's ruined, and then they're like they're yeah. gonna have to clean all that feathers up because it's not anywhere. In, like, yeah, the next Look, couple Courtney. Shots Courtney is a scenes. problem. Courtney is a problem beyond her obvious PTSD that manifests dream killers. You know, like even aside from that, she's got <laughs> issues. <laughs> uh there's a great line from Jeff as they're walking up because like they are uh they're not sure if they're even there. And age and TJ's like, you know, well, the lights are on. Obviously, they're here. And Jeff responds with, that doesn't mean they're here, brilliant. Which I've never heard, like, brilliant used like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it should be genius, uh, right? It should be, doesn't mean they're here, genius. But brilliant? Yeah. <laughs> but then TJ also does have, like, the best line, which is 
seemingly another reference to the first one because i feel like they say the exact same thing is as as jeff and tj are seeing the girls pillow fight naked uh just like is like is this real yeah and tj's uh said no this is I heaven die. and we're yeah. dead yeah mm-hmm. uh i was it's basically the same i think you said it but it's the same setup as the first one where slumber party is happening boys come to peep they get involved and then they all get killed but uh i also i love that on the road trip they have i think it's um it's not amy what's you the other one uh sally Sally, Sally says the word slumber party like six times. Yeah. Just to really hammer in and justify the title. The ultimate slumber party weekend. Yes. <laughs> she Great. says it a lot. Uh, <laughs> that's uh, So the boys scare the girls. Um, we cut to Courtney and Sally in bed hearing the two couples having sex. And Sally... <laughs> Courtney asks something, and then Sally says, the more they do it, the louder they get. Practice <laughs> makes perfect. Well, okay. Uh, I do think they are. They didn't really hammer it home, and this is why this whole, like, you know, uh, like, lesbian reading of this movie is somewhat debatable. But she is sleeping in the same bed as Sally. But they never really make it, like, there's never any kind of hint that they're attracted to each other, right? They don't, like... no. Not really. I don't think so. I don't. I don't know if I'd agree. I mean, trust me, I would love if that was more in this movie, <laughs> but I don't. I don't believe. Yeah. I, I picked up on any of it because that was like I remember that being Joe Bob's big thing, but I, I think it's more just a fear of sex in general, right? Yes. Like based like from her trauma that it's made her afraid of phallic things and and intimacy. Um, say so I don't really see like a homosexual reading to this. Re- I mean, you you probably can, and someone way smarter and more well versed in these things will will correct me. But yeah, I I don't, I don't fully see it because I I mean like there's a prime setup for it, and they're sleeping in the same bed, but it never gets like you know intimate between them. So hot, it never gets uh what hot? What was the what's the book called? White hot, wild, wet, and wild. Hot, hot yeah. wet, and wild. Yeah, it never gets mm-hmm. hot, wet, and wild. Exactly. Which we'll be coming back to very quickly. Um, so we get another dream sequence. <laughs> like the fifth or sixth by this point. And it is, uh, she's with Matt, and then he turns into uh, the drill killer, who I will refer to as DK. Hey, that's what, I have, that's what I have him down in my notes as. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so she's freaked out. She's at the pool. Amy comes up. She's like, oh, you're just hungover. You know, it's that's what happens. Uh, TJ, I love TJ at the pool with the blow-up doll. He then throws Courtney in, and we get another dream sequence hallucination. But I believe this is the first one where we do see the magnificent weapon that DK uses. There is almost nothing like it I have ever seen in any other horror movie. It is a bright red guitar that's got lots of kind of I don't know how to describe it. Like, it looks like a flame thing. Like, there's lots yeah. of little arms coming from it. But then where the neck of the guitar should be is just a giant drill. Mm-hmm. It, it's like, yeah, it's coming out of the neck, like, stops, like, halfway. And then there's, like, half a foot of it that's, like, a drill. Uh, yeah, oh, it's, it, it's, it's, like, three feet long. It's that's insane. what it feels like. Yeah. Uh, it's It's insane. It is crazy. I will say I love the look of the weapon. How it's used later, there's one or two good moments, but it gets a little yeah. it gets a little underutilized, I'd say. 
I, um, I would agree I, with that. I really like this whole thread, though. I think this is what makes this movie... Uh, the other part that makes this movie so interesting is that it's about dealing with a friend or a person that has this trauma in their past and it's like they don't know how to handle her right mm-hmm. they don't know what to do with courtney who's clearly having ptsd flashbacks and everyone kind of pays for it like i think it's an interesting like arc um or interesting like like story here where it's like you they have these group of friends trying to have a good time and there's somebody clearly getting triggered by stuff around her and everybody is blowing her off and everyone's yeah. just like, well, she's maybe going crazy or she's just like, we're going to have fun and just push her in the pool. And she's clearly like disassociating. Keep and minimizing everything that she's yeah. going through. Right. And, and we so get I, that I as think, well. Go ahead. I just I think it's the fascinating story for a slasher to tell. You know what I mean? Like, it, especially a supernatural slasher where you like then you exaggerate it by making her dreams reality. Because uh, there is no proof, there's nothing actually happening to this to a degree. In the first yeah. one, it's like there are people dying. They don't see them, but like we're we're aware of it, and there oh. is a threat that's coming. There's a moment in that first one. Um, I think it's maybe it's the first kill when he grabs the girl and pulls her into the van. Yeah, but the fact that it's in public in front of the school when I yeah. first watched it, I was like, man, that's really fucked. Like, the fact that she is dying right in front of the school with all these people around, and, like, nobody knows what happens. Do you think it's a, a yeah. Scream 2 was doing an homage Yeah, possibly. I mean, it's it's the same re- it's the same reason. Right, yeah. It's the same reason that one works so well. Yeah. I mean, like, mm-hmm. uh, and is as, like, uh, I mean, that one's less upsetting because it's Scream, and I feel like those are more fun than scary for the most part. But, like, uh, What's his I mean, line? same with the first one, but, yeah. What's your favorite scary movie? Showgirls. Frightening. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh. So, uh, yeah, that we get Courtney out of the pool and Sally's trying to talk to her about it. And Sally is equating, again, her trauma to Sally having a pimple. Yes. And, and she's like, I minimizing. And she's like, what do you, she's I don't see through. anything on your face. You don't have a single like, pimple. Oh, no. Yeah. It's underneath the surface. It's there. <laughs> Which is, you know, about trauma as well. You know, you yeah, don't yeah. see it. It's right there. Mm-hmm. Um, we also do get her, she has a hamburger hallucination. This is great. If you see, yeah. if you, see you saw what I did there? Wait, what? A hamburger? Handburger? Uh, I think I wrote it down as hamburger too, but not intention- intentionally. Intentionally, I didn't mean it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, right before that, though, there's a great establishing shot where it's like everyone's eating on one side of the pool and the camera's on the other side of it and the blow-up doll is just floating face down in the pool. Like, yeah. in, the cam- in the frame. It's very funny. <laughs> um, yeah, and it's it's a really bad fake hand just covered in yes. like red ketchup-y stuff. But um, we also get like, they do a music video thing at this point as well. Yeah, more and practice, then- yep. I love, love, love TJ and Sheila are at the pool. Oh, we didn't even establish when before he pushes her in, uh, he TJ like sees the hot, wet and wild and starts reading it. And he is such a poor reader. It is so perfect for his character. And then when he's in the scene, he's reading the book to Sheila line by line. And it's like, are you in the mood yet? Heathcliff's like, no. life spent. Yeah, it's it's really funny. Then he reads one more line and then is like, 
how about now? Classic scene in a slasher of the teens just sitting back smoking weed, talking about sex stuff, you know, like, um, it really does, I think, like, in terms of those 80s slashers where you get the same setup, a group of teens trying to have fun, right? Uh, it does get you into that fun mood. Like, I, it, these people are kind of are kind of chill to hang out with. They're a little annoying, but I, that also kind of works for slashers where you kind of want them to be so that when they get killed, like, <laughs> you're not devastated. Um, but yeah, he's great. I, I, really, I really do want to give that actor credit because, like, he just, I don't know, he knows what movie he's in and he knows what role he's playing and he just does it so well. He's got so many, like, good deliveries yeah. in it. I feel like. Um, and he just like we, punctuates we, so many lines with this little dumb laugh. Like, it's great. Yeah. Yeah. Courtney has another hallucination uh, <laughs> where she's being attacked by a bird from the fridge. This is great. Looks, this is great. So bizarre. The way but it's like, it's like legs are kicking and then it's like spurting blood out of its neck. It reminded he, me of a racer. It's speaking of a racer head again. I was about yeah. to say, yeah. It reminds me a little baby spike. Mm-hmm. Um, so then Amy's like, well, you should go take a bath and relax. And then this is where we get the bloodbath hallucination. Do you get do you get what I did there? Yes. Well? Oh, yeah. Okay. There you go. Okay. Man. You're on you're yeah. on a roll here. <laughs> yeah. I stayed up all night coming up with these. So, you know, <laughs> testing them um, out. Yeah. Reading them back to Jimbo to make sure they, yeah. they land. Yeah. <laughs> and he's just asleep, not paying attention. <laughs> Uh, she freaks out and this is another one that is almost uh you know virgin scared type thing it's oh yeah like, you know that's right blood yeah, she like think about raises that. up her arms and covered in blood she runs downstairs and sally's like oh no there's like why you leave the water running yeah and again equates it to how bad her pimple is and we get another hallucination of the pimple being grotesque this is the and best scare in the movie. It's and it's really good makeup. I think. Yeah, I think it's, so it's quick. excellent. It's you excellent. You get one that's that's like kind of bad, and then you get a whole like she turns into um, the guy from RoboCop after yes. he gets doused in the the toxic chemicals, whatever. Yeah, but the fact that it explodes all over Courtney's face yeah. is so fucking yeah. disgusting. Um, before it's, that, too, it's a thick. Yes, thick stuff too. Viscous, like thick yeah. and yellow. Mm-hmm. Uh, before that too, we get the excellent shot when she closes the bathroom door after the blood in mm. the tub, and the blood gushes from blood underneath. Blood is running. Like, yeah, yeah. Really, I mean, this movie. I to give it away a little bit. The first like forty-five minutes of this, I think, are really good. Like, I I love all this stuff. I love all this stuff with Courtney's friends. I love the downplaying her PTSD. I love the fear of losing your virginity. I love all this stuff. And it's funny. It's funny you say this because 45 minutes and we have seen zero kills. Yes, exactly. But I'm I'm still invested. I'm still like into it and what it's doing. I'm having a good time at the, up to this point. And then um, we'll get to it in a moment when it kind of makes its, like, it makes its turn. But it's a real downshift in quality for me after a certain point. <laughs> and I get that. I get that. Uh... So we have uh, Courtney's like, oh, Sally's gone. She's dead. You boys got to go look for her. So they all go up to the, the bathroom. And I, I love TJ's delivery of this one. I think your sweetheart's taken too many diet pills. <laughs> um, oh, so they're all trying to comfort Courtney. And then they start hearing the trash compactor go off. And they're like, oh, it sounds like some old 
bones or something. And they get scared. That's when they call uh, Officer Kruger and Officer Voorhees, who I love the way that he's like, <laughs> like jotting it down. So you haven't seen her. You think she's in the trash compactor, but you're too scared to look into it. Yeah, and they can say, when did this happen? They say three hours ago. Oh, about three hours ago. So it took them three hours to call the police. But I guess if your friend's missing, no. you wait for them to come back, right? No, 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 Greg. It happened three hours ago. That's how long it takes the police to respond. <laughs> this is America. Things have hey, not changed. There you changed. go. That's true. That's a good point, man. Uh, I, I do. I think the, the actor playing Officer Kruger, I didn't write his name down, but I think he's really good. Uh, I love that he threatens to tear their livers out if they call again. <laughs> right? If they yeah. fuck with him in his town or whatever he says. Yeah. Uh, and then the other Voorhees says something to the effect of, uh, come on, Kruger. They're keeping our booth at Denny's. Yes, that's really funny. I have a line written down. I don't remember what context it's in, but at one point, AJ tells Matt to. He says, "Smoke your head," which I yeah, think is that's a in the great bathroom. To say. That was, yeah, that was good. Um, they're like, "Oh, Sally's dead," and then Sally just like walks in, mm-hmm. saying she went to the store to get some like. Uh, All right, so this is fucking insane. So stuff. she's and then she yeah, met a boy. She's in the bathroom with Courtney. Courtney freaks out and runs downstairs screaming. She somehow leaves the house without anybody noticing. And they yeah. even mention, like, a- a- TJ says, like, oh, she probably just went to the store. And you're like, and they're like, you fucking dumbass, the cars are here. But we find out she did go to the score. How did yeah. she get there? Why did she leave without telling? This is fucking insane. Like, this is such. Uh, whatever. It's I convenient. mean, who cares? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> So that's when the the rest of the the group goes to get food, and then Matt and Courtney are gonna stay in comfort. He makes her dinner, some sandwiches, and then he has a whole cake that he brought. It's got you know candles lit, lit on it. Um, for some weird reason, it says "Happy Birthday, Danielle and Dominique." I don't really <laughs> get that, but uh, you know, yeah. Um, so they start to do it, and she's like trying to infer, like, "Hey." I'm a virgin. And then right before she gets that word out, a drill comes through Matt's chest. Explodes out of his chest. This is a great it's, fucking kill. This is, it, I mean... It, it looks a little odd. His head is not, like, yeah. aligned properly, but it is I mean, he's so just like, fucking he's, crazy. It's just, like, his head and then a fake torso, obviously. But, like... Right. Yeah, and, it looks great. I mean, I, I, I was I was all for it. The, the weird... Like the gore on the drill is weirdly like ribbony. There's something strange about the makeup in this, like the gore effects. Well, at, but I kind of like it. I think at it. that point she's like, "I'm, I'm dreaming, I'm dreaming," and then he like grabs the arm. Is like, "Is this a dream?" Yeah. And he throws the arm. The arm hits the 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 birthday cake. There's blood everywhere. You know what the gore reminded me? Because it's kind of it's like weird, like meat strips, like hanging off yeah. the arm and stuff. But it yeah. reminded me of Tropic Thunder. When they're holding Steve Coogan's head up, and it's kind of the same thing, like it's kind of like, like entrails and stuff yes. coming down, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, at, great stuff, though. This but this point, is where the movie t- so yeah. awesome kill. But this is where the movie turns for me, and it, it peaks, and then it's just like Boo! yes, exactly. Uh, all all the other ones had come back, and they're practicing, uh, you know, music, and then <laughs> actually, Courtney they're, runs they're not even they're not even practicing. They're just kind of fucking around, like yeah. AJ. Or uh, TJ. TJ he, is like, he's like I a have guitar and he's just talent. like yeah. banging on. He's just like fucking around with this. Again, the actor is just having a blast doing whatever he wants. Yeah. 
So uh, Courtney runs downstairs, and then DK comes up, attacks them all. Uh, he gets TJ in the leg, and then him and Sheila like run off trying to find help. Uh, we get Sally like in the corner behind her drums, and is like, "Oh no, oh no!" And then goes is like behind a wall, and he just yeah. drills through her chest and destroys the phone on the other end. Right, that the other that, kids are trying to use. Jeff is trying to use. I, I mean, I like that part of it, but it makes it makes her look so fucking stupid because she's again she pinches <laughs> against this wall instead of just running through to the kitchen. Like, yeah. It, 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 yeah. I mean, look, I know we're not operating on like you know logic here, but it, it's still kind of. I was just like, hey, this just looks so. It's just dumb. I I loved it though. I love the drill coming through and destroying the phone. I forget. Mm. Have you seen Body Double? I have not. Okay, I want to say too much then, but I just want to say that this made me think of Body Double, uh, which I yeah I won't spoil it, but yes, check it out. It's great. So uh, the three of them, Courtney, Amy, and Jeff all run off. They're like, oh, we should get a car and take off. Jeff's like, my keys are inside. So they run back inside. They get them. They run to the car. They're driving away. And I love it. DK is already in the back seat. He has a little red rose like above <laughs> yeah. his ear and maybe my favorite of all of his like bad rock song lines is this is dedicated to the one i love it's and fucking ridiculous. kills jeff yeah um, it's so good wait who sings that original i'm blanking for some reason um, this is dedicated to the one i love um eartha kit yeah no, i don't, I don't know I, maybe I don't know. probably I'm not sure uh I, this one goes out to the one I love, right? Uh, is that anyway? I just watched uh, the last waltz recently, so I've been listening to a bunch of old like the Shirelle kind of rock standards. Okay, gotcha. Dedicated to the one I love. Can we say right now too? He looks like Dane Cook, the DK. <laughs> like that's that's all I see when he pops up. He's There's... got a major Dane Cook as Dane Cook as Elvis is kind of his uh, his vibe. There's another, it's like a little bit like Dane Cook and John Barenthal had a child. Mm-hmm. That's good. I, I, um, that's what I kept coming back to is like John Barenthal in Punisher. Yeah. The the actor, uh, Atanas Illich, he's the son of the founder of Little Caesars. I don't know if you saw that. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> he comes from big pizza money. From pizza pizza money. Uh, I did see that he has, like, uh, you know, a music career. Yes. Uh, I think he's just a Taunus. Yeah. Like, on the album cover, it doesn't do the Illich. <laughs> just, uh, just a Like Cher. That's all you need. Right. Yeah. Right. Beyonce. Or, like, in, um, or, uh, like in A Wong. Star Is Born. Alley, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, TJ and Sheila, uh, they come to a house that has lights on. But before anyone comes to the door, the killer comes, so they, they run off and TJ gets killed. I love that the guy comes to the door and is like, damn kids, just slams the door again. And pans over to AJ's body, or TJ's body. Yeah, I keep calling him AJ. AJ. Um, I, I will say, what this gets to my thing where he gets basically like gutted just off screen. And that's kind of how Jeff dies too. Like You don't really see, it's you don't see the drill going through anybody again after right. Matt. And so maybe they were yeah, worried it about it being repetitive yeah. or it costs too much. But I feel like the first one had a good variety of drill kill. You know what I mean? 
I feel like the first one, all the kills are the drill, but they do a good way of differentiating each one. Like someone gets her throat cut, you had to kill yeah. in the in the van. You got like they're creative with it. Yeah, this one's mainly like a couple drill throughs and then slashes. Yes, yeah, is and what then it one seems to be. really lame falling death coming up. But uh, yeah, yeah. But uh, you also have the scene. I think this is all playing on the Halloween, the the thing that Halloween established, where it's like Lori runs to get help and nobody helps. The guy right. just turns the light off. But, like, it gets pretty ridiculous in this one where there's two bloody teenagers running down the street and a car just very slowly just drives on past them. It's like, that one to me is, like, really stretching it. <laughs> of like, you know, people not helping. You know, you're in the middle of the night. It's uh, Reagan's America. You never know what's going to come. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Courtney and Amy barricade themselves in a room, try to call the police, but they're like, fuck you, we're not going to come. Don't call here again. Yeah, uh, you're it's wasting Kruger our time. who answers it, which is fun. not yeah. a nine one not not a nine one one operator, but Kruger himself picks up the phone. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so Sheila runs back and is trying to get in, and they kill their friend. They are so fucking slow at getting yep. this dresser out of the way to let her in. Um, but as it's about to happen, that's when DK looks into the camera. And starts his musical number of Let's Buzz. Yeah, so he, he goes, Let's Buzz. Yeah. Yeah. And starts dancing around. It's a song about how he's got like money in an offshore bank account or something, right? Yeah. And then it's like, I got I a large a amount in, in my yeah. Swiss bank account. Yeah. Uh, a penthouse <laughs> at the Ritz I bought with my hits. Uh, I did watch this twice. So, you know. so I, I do understand. I do understand the dream aspect she's having ptsd flashbacks of like when she had to murder a driller killer or she had to you know defend herself whatever where does the rock and roll stuff fit in <laughs> i don't understand this as a choice I don't know at all either. and the, i don't know the guy I don't is get not it. a rock and roller either no. in the first one he's just like he's um, pretty mute right he has like one or two lines of dialogue towards the end of the movie he's like i love you Yes, which is that's, great. That's, that's, that's a, that's a right. weird, freaky moment. I love that in the first one. Yeah. yeah. But he's just like, you know, jeans, red shirt, uh, jean jacket, and that's it. He's genuinely pretty fucking scary in that first one. Like, he looks the guy, like a creep. Yeah. Yeah, the guy the guy is really intimidating. You know, the problem with DK in this one, like, I he's a you bad can't boy. Take him, you I want to, like... You're not. I want to reform you, him. Yeah, you can't take him seriously at all. I mean, it's fucking ridiculous. It's so funny. Uh, it's black leather uh, jacket, and then there's the tassels mm-hmm. like everywhere as well. He's like so, break dancing. He's like waggling yeah. his fingers on the camera. Yeah, he <laughs> is doing his music video dancing. Uh, she was like at the door pounding, and he takes his sweet ass time coming down the hallway to then kill her. Yes, and. Uh, Amy and Courtney, they run, um, but they run into, like, all the construction site. There's also a great shot of, as they're, like, trying to come around the corner, DK is already there. And yeah, because he's a dream. He can just teleport whatever he wants. Yeah. Yeah, and, but it's fantastic. He's there against, like, a white building, and there's a light, like, underneath him projecting his shadow, like, as a, you know, 25 feet on this wall. And it's just a really good look. Yeah. Um, he gets like half another song, right? Like, they play another short one as he's kind of chasing them. 
I think so. I think it's it's after he's like in the construction area. Yeah. He he like slashes Amy. She ends up falling to her death. Yeah, because well, he's Courtney's also following her, her blood right. trail. Right, right. Mm-hmm. And that um, one's pretty. That's such a lame kill. He then uh, says, "Light my fire," and uh, then Courtney like this is the the switch that flips in Courtney. She goes crazy. She gets like a blowtorch. And then catches him on fire, and then he's like gone. Boom! Ugh. Jumps off the the construction. It it kind of looks like shit. They have like a fire, like almost like superimposed over him or something. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It does not look great. Um, that's when uh, like the next day, police are there. They're bringing out Amy's body, and Courtney like moves the blanket, and we get uh, Driller Killer laughing from Amy's throat. Yeah, which there's I, a there is a theme in this of things coming from Amy's throat. The title, <laughs> the Troll Killers Laugh. Oh no, that's uh, Courtney in the Courtney. In the yes, I'm sorry. Yes, yes. So I it's Amy at the end. Uh, that's when she uh, wakes up and is like mm-hmm. in bed next to Matt, and then it again we get Matt becoming DK, and then it yep. switches to again another. It's a she was having a dream while she oh, was. Oh, but it doesn't again. I, I wrote that in my in my notes that it, it shoot the camera like pulls out of her screaming mouth. Like that's we right. Have, we so we do see it again. Yeah, I I yeah. said the wrong name earlier, but yes, yeah. Uh, uh, so begins and ends with that. The, yeah the mental asylum and then a drill comes up and i uh it's an interesting like forced perspective i feel like like it was a regular mini sized drill and just the way that the camera like you know hobbit and gandalf in the background i I think what's going on is that it's a miniature i think you're in like a miniature dollhouse and it's like drilling through the floor of it so it's a so it's like a regular or it's the same prop whatever because you can see courtney on the bed but she's not moving. I think she's a doll. I think okay. I, I can't tell. But it looks like a miniature to me. Um, it definitely, which is some I, I kind of loved. Yeah, there's something, there's something strange going on, on there. Definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's God it. Damn it. Ugh. I know. I am, and I'm hoping. I already saw your letterbox review, and I'm hoping it's like all the other movies. Once we're talking about it, you're like, man, this is a little bit better than I gave it credit for. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, hey, you're you're right on the money there because it is what happened. Like talking over that first section again, I'm like, yeah, I do love that first part a lot. Like that is a really fun stuff. I think it's got a surprising, do not want to say like dramatic heft to it, but there's more going no. on to it than there needs to be. You know what I mean? Like it does yeah. actually have an interesting idea for Courtney's character, and I think that the actress, um, what was her name? Uh, starts the C two, Crystal Bernard. I think yeah. she's good. I think she's. I, I think she's I actually know. pretty good. I think she's I think good she... at playing the the repressed trauma of it, like bubbling through, and then just that like confusion as things keep going wrong and your friends keep looking at you like you're fucking crazy. I, uh, I'll give you that. When she's like on the verge of breaking down, I think she yes. she does a really good job. It's almost like every other emotion. Like when she's happy or, or stuff like that, I'm like, eh, I don't know. Yeah, she's fine. I mean, like, but I, th- I but I think that stuff is what counts, and so I just want to give her credit for that because, like, that's like the the meat of the movie to me. Uh, yeah. I wrote in my when I first saw this I, in my original Letterbox review, I was looking back at what I wrote about it, which was higher. My original rating was higher. Um, I I wrote something like 
it's the it's it's the feeling where you feel like you you she's feeling like a burden to her friends because of her past you know what i mean that she's incapable of like having a good time with people now and that's like what is weighing her down partly like she doesn't like she's like i'm too much of a mess to be around these people they're too happy for me and i'm you know i'm just gonna make things more of a bummer which is like maybe something i kind of related to when i first watched it i'm not sure uh but yeah, if we just want to segue into final thoughts, and you want to you want to start this off, sure. And get a yeah, uh, I mean, what are we gonna rate it out of? Obviously, G- guitar guitar drills. drills. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, <laughs> I um, it's lacking in what makes the first one work so well. Of that, it is like super contained. It is a slumber party. You know, more nudity, more murders, more gore, all that, all that. Uh, but there is a a good personality to this movie, and I like I like the characters in it. Um, I don't think I enjoy this. Ironically, I think I do like sincerely like this movie. But there is a a part of me that's like, do I do I, or is it the <laughs> how bad it is? But I do I do really like you know the kind of weird music video ness of it. It has those ethereal dreams that I am just all for. It's the editing of those that are really interesting. Um, I just, I love the the look of the one where it's in the car and you get Courtney's POV as it just kind of like pans across all the other girls, like in the weird fisheye lens. Like it's a very yeah. odd look and it just does it so well. It's fun. It's not anything like too serious. Like we said, it it has some themes that you could say it has of, you know, PTSD, uh, interacting with other people, losing your virginity. But it's it's so short, it's it's almost out the door by the time you're like, okay, how much longer does this have? I have to go with the 3.6 uh guitar drills. Damn. I I I really have a good time. I think if I would give the original one probably like a 3.9 just because it does it so well. Again, just like nudity right out the gate. You got so many more kills and actual like tension. There is no, there is gore and some hallucinations, but there is no murder until like almost the 50 minute mark of this movie. Mm -hmm. Um, maybe if we had thrown in another character that could have died early on, that would have, you know, raised it up a bit, but it is, it's, um, like I said, lacking in what makes the first one work. I, it's great. I still love it. Drill a killer for president 2024. (laughs) Very nice, man. I, I, you know, my my original rating was was a three point five on Letterboxd, um, which is awesome. I should look it up too. That's what I give the first one as well. And uh, I don't think it's three point five. I do think watching it the second time, like that, the climax takes so much wind out of its sails for me. Like I just can't. I when you get to the actual kills after Matt, Matt's is so good, and then everything after that is a disappointment. Just on a slasher level, I think it doesn't really deliver. But the setup for it is so fantastic that I think if someone wanted to remake this, they did remake the first one just this year, actually. Yep. I've not seen it. I have um, not either. I should probably check it out now, actually. There's also a third one that I've never seen, but I've heard really bad things about it. Um, 
But uh, I'm trying to I, think I, I if think... I've seen it. I think I have. Yeah, I think all I the posters to look identical. <laughs> um, but I love so much what this movie's doing in the beginning. Just this idea of almost a deconstruction of a slasher of like, you know, making it a dream manifested. Re- you know, it's a it's a unique take. Like they're kind of cashing in a nightmare on Elm Street, I think, on this. Yeah. By having a killer invading via your dreams and invading home invasion. Um, hey, hey. I just think when you get to the actual meat of it, the, the killer stuff, it doesn't work for me. And the first time I loved the novelty of the driller killer being a weird fucking rock and roll singer, having his own musical breakdowns and everything. But after his big song, aside from that, I just I can't I just had a hard time like stomaching his presence. I'm just like, I'm fucking tired of this guy. Uh especially after I had watched the first one in between my my two watches of this, and I really loved the killer in that one. And if they had gone the route of you maybe don't have to bring the same guy back, but just making it a little more ser the killer a little more serious, I think really could have like brought it home uh, yeah. for me. I, I wonder if they had tried to give more of a, a logical explanation because it really is just he's in her dreams and then all of yeah. a sudden he's real. There is yeah. there is no explanation. You why. could have even kept like kept a slightly more Freddy Krueger esque bent to it where it could be that Courtney's the only one seeing him the entire time. And I think I'd yeah. be fine with that. Although it is fun to see uh Jeff like fight the drill with a lamp at one point you know <laughs> yeah i do like that um i i do think talking about it my my steam of it has gone back up a little bit i'm all over the place with this goddamn movie i still don't really know what i think of it to be to be honest but i'm gonna go if, because of that i'm gonna go higher than my letterbox review right now but lower than my original Previous review one. and I am going to say 3.1. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's, I do think it's baseline recommendable to people of like, hey, you want something unique for a slasher? Check out Summer Party Massacre 2. It does some that's weird a shit. Not all of it's it unique. works. Yeah, not all of it works, but you can't, you can't accuse it of being formulaic. You know, you can't like, deny that you'll, you'll walk out of being like, I have never seen anything quite yeah. like this there's shit to talk about and even beyond just like the like you said it's like there's stuff to enjoy ironically like yeah of course the acting's bad the writing's bad you know like you can enjoy it as a dumb slasher but then it does pay special attention to courtney's character which Mm -hmm. to me like watching it again i was just like i think she's giving a really good performance when it comes to the trauma of it and there's something really interesting about the way that people are downplaying her obvious mental issues and then it comes back to bite them in the ass like i i think that is a weirdly advanced storyline for a slasher from this era um, you were almost killed but get this listen to this i have a pimple <laughs> yeah i think that's so good i really like that stuff um also this movie does star two alumni from uh friday the 13th the series, the, the Friday the 13th franchise. Oh. Um, Juliet Cummins is is Robin in Friday Part 5, who I don't remember exactly who Robin is, but I just saw that in trivia. And then Heidi Kozak is in uh, Friday Part 7. Okay. Yeah. Fantastic. Which is the one I've probably seen the least of the whole series, so I don't really remember who she is in that, but I just saw Which the one. Which one is Seven, Freddy's Dead, or... No, no Friday the 13th, right? Oh, Friday, Friday the 13th. Thir- yeah, yeah. 
Seven oh, is uh, Seven is excuse the new blood. Me. That's the one where he fights Carrie. Okay, you know, or yeah. fights yeah. not Carrie. Yeah, fascinating. Well, that was Slumber Party Massacre Part Two. Yeah. Greg, do you want to let us know what we're going to be watching next week for Home Invasion for the holidays? Before that, very quickly, we did it a little bit up front, tiny, tiny bit. Yeah, I I realized we didn't do our non-horror thing. I'm I'm going to be quick about it, though. Um, But I've watched a lot of great non-horror stuff lately. Um, I watched uh, Lone Wolf and Cub, Sword of Vengeance, the first of the Lone Wolf and Cub franchise. I have that criterion. I love, I've seen like the first three. I love them. They're great. great. That first one, I loved it so much. I cannot wait to watch the rest of them, but I, I absolutely adored it. I knew that it inspired the Mandalorian. So mm-hmm. I was expecting something like, okay, he's going to be this grizzled warrior, but he's going to have a heart of gold because of this kid. No, he is a nope, brutal, really. brutal fucking like assassin killer. Fantastic movie, though. That first one I really loved. And I hear the second one's even better, so I can't wait. Did um, you get this from Tarantino? Is it like in his book or something? Or is this just you You finally got to it? No, the the great one of my... Uh, the maybe my number one podcast actually i don't know it's tough to say but my one of my favorite podcasts uh the action boys john gabris gotcha uh ben rogers and ryan stanger um which is a patreon exclusive so you got to pony up if you want to listen to it they have some free ones but for me it's worth the money every month but they covered it for their latest episode and um so i i i try to follow along with every every movie they watch and i fucking loved it that was it was great um, they watch it for Ninja Vember. Every November they watch Ooh, Ninja movies. That's yeah. fun. Um, so there was that. I love that. I saw The Fablemans, which I thought was fucking incredible. Uh, I still, I gotta go see it soon. It's it's my favorite movie of 2022 easily. Uh, I wow. cried a lot, and there is. Um, I mean, we know the casting, right? You know the the casting of one particular person in the David Lynch is John Ford, right? He's so fucking good. Oh, I can't like, wait. Yeah, uh, awesome. Um, so that was great. And then I went to New Beverly and I saw, speaking of Paul Schrader again, saw Paul Schrader's Hardcore with George C. Scott. Ooh, yeah. Uh, which was great. I loved it. Um, Turn it off! Turn yes. it off! Have you seen it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's good, man. It's um, really good. <laughs> I, was, I was watching George Lucas talk show and they quoted Turn It Off. And then yeah. they were trying to explain <laughs> it to the guest. It's like, get this. Like, imagine you hire a private investigator to find your daughter. And he doesn't tell you that she's in porn. He just invites yes. you to a theater. And, and then plays starts it playing for you. a movie. And shows you, you a movie of your daughter getting railed. Yeah. You don't leave. You don't mm-hmm. get up. You just tell him to turn it off. The best part is, like, he then correctly says, because, like, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if he's correct. It seems like he's po- correct about this. But he's like, you sick freak. You liked showing me that, didn't you? And yeah. Peter And fucking Peter Boyle, who's, like, a delicious scumbag in that, is like, no, I hated it. Oh, yeah, you hated it. That's why you did it this way. Yeah, mm-hmm. sure, man. That makes sense. What a great uh, Anyway, reveal. great. I loved it. So, non-horror for you. What have you been, what have you been seeing? Uh... Lately? Yesterday, I went and saw Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Ooh, I got theaters. tickets for that coming up. Uh, it was it was really good. On a technical aspect, it is phenomenal. You will watch it and be like, "This is this is so good. I love it." Oh. It's a little bit long. Okay, I'll give it that. It's like at, at two hours, and it's it's okay. stretching itself for an, for an animated is, movie. That's 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 pretty lengthy. Yeah, 
it is uh taking a lot of liberties with the pinocchio story setting it uh like post world war one pre-world war two oh era. interesting okay and um the voice acting is phenomenal throughout christoph waltz does a great job the guy the main mm. guy who plays geppetto is um uh you know from uh, what's it, what is it harry potter he's like the groundskeeper oh of, wait really of yeah oh I, man I, I can't remember his name but he's great he's in so many good him, things yeah other things yeah he's yeah he's, he's really in, good he's in all Lord three of the, of the uh no he's, he's in, in something he's in th- the three of the uh he's in game of thrones he's walder Frey. right that's yes yeah i believe that's yeah um and then um, he's in he's in uh hot fuzz and world's end he's in both of those but i can't remember his name but i love him yeah yeah he he was fantastic and uh yeah i had a great time it's it's worth checking out okay i'll check it out i would say like it it was uh there was only two other people in the theater so it was a almost private screening that's awesome uh i have i god i can't i'm sorry to everybody who and to you and everyone in my life hearing me talk about the new beverly but i have tickets to see at the new beverly okay um so I can't wait. Also, hey, just a real random thing. Just I had my internet open to the Slumber Party Massacre two page, and you know, there's an image of one of, of a of a DVD release, I think, with a banner at the top that says Massacre Collection. And I gotta check hey. that out because, like, I mean, like, I gotta check that out because, like, we're we're weekly podcast massacre, you know. Anyway, next week, <laughs> let's wrap this up. Yes, let us um, know. Yeah, so we are going to. Uh, this was a little bit different for a home invasion movie. I'm going to keep things a little bit different for next week. I'm also going to talk about a sequel and, uh, but one I have not seen. I want to talk about don't breathe Two next Ooh, week. I have not seen this either. So this will be yeah. very fun. Kind of a really quiet release. I remember when it came out, people being like, Oh, so we're taking this like, you know, the kind of like, right-wing rapist hero or rapist character from the first one making him the hero i hear it's interesting though um and uh i am excited to finally check it out don't breathe too don't breathe too very interesting Mm -hmm. well that'll be it for this week on the weekly podcast massacre please rate review subscribe anywhere you get this podcast uh, you can email us weeklypodcastmassacre at gmail.com. We have both Twitter and Instagram at weeklymassacre. Don't use Twitter. And uh, what else do I usually say at the end of this? Um, hit us up. Let us know if your dad has a booze closet at his condo in Palm Springs. If um, <laughs> you can get us in touch with. Uh, uh, hold on. One second. One second. If you can get us in touch with Atonis Illich, otherwise known as the Driller Killer, please let us know because I would love to interview him for this podcast. That would be a dream. I just want to. I want to spend some a hookup on some Little Caesars, you know, maybe some. uh... (laughs) Get one of those like black cards. You just walk in every time. A little little Caesars black card. Yeah. Uh, and I guess let us know if you have a copy of Hot, Wet, and Wild because we both want to read it. Yeah, I'm very curious. Sounds good. Sounds good. Mm-hmm. Um, well, as as always, remember, uh, this is dedicated to the one I love. I want to be 
your Tokyo convertible. So uh, good. Bye, everybody. So good. <laughs> bye. <laughs>